You're all alone at a party. You want to dance with somebody, but you ain't got a clue how to ask. You and your girl had a fight, but now she's saying goodbye. She ran upstairs and packed her bags. It could be raining on your perfect vacation. You could be stressed about your work situation. Ain't gotta listen to me, but all I'm saying ain't nothing that a beer can fix. <laughs> <laughs> James, thanks very much, man, for opening up this show. Of course. I love it. Everybody's always a little nervous with that, but then they do so well, and, and I'm, I'm like happy about it. Yeah, no, it was nerve-wracking. It's cringy now. <laughs> <laughs> no, now the pain's done. The pain's done all over. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really no, appreciate I it. I really appreciate it. This is yeah. such an honor. No, I, t- I know that you're a listener, and, and also Shane kind of connected us, and, yep. and then we got talking, and, and I'm glad that he came on the show and I'm, I'm getting a lot of requests to come on the show which is great and I, I get a lot of DMs from people that are reaching out to me thanking me for the shows and the guests and yeah. I, I find that the theme of the construction life is people like opening up people like sharing their stories sharing their good bad and ugly exactly and i really appreciate that because that's what the whole show's all been about right oh, yeah it's nice to listen to everyone's story thanks man thanks so much so i just want to do a few shout outs i'm here at venture x recording we're going to be here all week i got a few more shows to do this week and so i really appreciate them letting me use their space to record it everybody can check them out on instagram at venture x uh, i think it's on venture x underscore oakville and you'll find them that um but i want to get on to james now so yeah i mean it's jm insult right yeah and how long have you been doing the business? We've been in business for about a year. So just brand new? Brand new. What were you doing before? So I'm an insulator by trade. So it's been coming up to nine years now. And then you went on your own? Yep. So okay. We're well, gonna, then we're going to talk. Yeah. Let's talk all about it. So, I mean, to get a hold of you is jminsul, I-N-S-U-L. Your email is jminsul01 at gmail.com. And the Instagram handle is jm underscore insul, which is I-N-S-U-L. Yeah. Today, James, we're going to talk, let's talk a lot about insulation, I guess, drywall, taping. You source that out. What, do, what part of the business do you focus on? So we actually take on the whole project at once. I'm an insulator by trade, so naturally I know everything regarding insulation. Why did you get into that trade? I'm always curious. My dad. Okay, My so father. he was doing it? Yeah, he's been doing it for over 35 years. So he's a natural born insulator. <laughs> so he's seen the bats change quite a bit over the decades. Oh yeah, everything from R12 all the way to R54. Yeah, because he was he was stuffing cavities when they were two by four cavities yeah. when we had that building code, and then everything changed to two by six cavity, right? Yeah. So a long time, but yeah, he's seen it all and done it all. What's your go-to favorite bat? My favorite brand, and hands down, is the best is Owens Corning. The okay. Pink insulation. Why? Because it's just it's so much easier to work with. It's a better quality material compared to the other brands. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's so much worth it in the end, especially when you're working with it. I've heard good things about it, to be honest. Like that's mm. the thing about it. So that's why I want to ask you about it. But I know that you get other brands that push other products and there's a lot of creative marketing, I would say, is what I would think. Yeah, right. No, there and, is. And and I don't like that the science is sometimes manipulated. But also, we all know, and you probably know, and you probably learned from your dad, insulating is really about the building envelope. If you can stuff whatever cavity you want, and if you don't seal things properly, tape things properly, then you start having problems with the ins- exactly. like the building part of it, right? Yeah. So you guys tackle all of that stuff. Exactly. Insulation is such a key point when building a house. And how critical, I mean, you guys got to deal with all the protrusions, so all the receptacles, anything that's leaving the house, the HRV, yeah. uh, yeah. any vents, exhaust, all that stuff. Everything going in exterior walls, ceilings, we have to seal it all. 
how long does it normally take, let's say, a 3,000-square-foot house for you to go in there to crew? What size crew you got? So going? we're a crew of four. Okay. So a crew of four, 3,000-square-foot home, take about a day. That's it? Yeah. A we're day? A day to insulate, vapor barrier, poly, everything, acoustic sealant. The whole thing? The Not whole even thing. just the insulation? No, we're a pretty fast crew. We can average about... In terms of insulation square footage, we can do about 3,000 to 6,000 square feet a day. So you're pretty much doing a house, like you're doing five homes a week. Yeah. Sometimes well, even 10. It depends on the size of the homes. Wow. But we've done that before. And you're, uh, what kind of homes are we talking about? Are, are you getting into track so subdivision or custom? So we do subdivisions and custom. So before I opened up my own business, my dad was a union and we're all unionized. So... We did all the subdivision work for the big drywall companies, so that's where we learned how to do all the insulation. What kind of tricks can you share regarding all that stuff? I'm curious. Just, uh, I mean, like everybody that gets into the insulation, the first thing we all is the itchiness and yeah. the uncomfortableness and all kinds of stuff, right? It does. Like it does get itchy, but after years of working with it, it's natural. It you becomes like moisturizer. It. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> you don't even feel it anymore. Yeah. The only thing that's pretty uncomfortable is a rock sole. Rock salt's uncomfortable. Yeah. But that's funny because everybody that touches rock salt, they don't even think anything about it. They yeah. just keep on handling it as if it's perfectly normal, but it's not. No, compared to like pink, white insulation, rock is the best, hands down. It's just, it gets in your skin. You got to take cold showers or else it gets in your skin and just itchy and itchy. For the gentleman trades out there that don't realize that if you take a hot shower after you've been insulating, oh, you're yeah. opening up your skin pores, which That's basically it. makes it worse. Oh, yeah. And then after that shower, it's <laughs> a whole... You evening. feel weird. You yeah. just feel uncomfortable. I know the feeling, man. I mean, we've all been there before. I know. So you guys get into all this stuff, and then uh, then the drywall comes in, and then you guys are also doing the taping. Yeah, exactly. We also do the spray foam and the blown insulation, the uh, blanket as well. Ever get into any cellulose? Yeah, we do. But wow. most of the time, we use fiberglass. And what are you guys doing now? What's the building code asking for? R60. So you're doing how many? You're doing 18 inches? Uh, about 12 to 16. It really depends. Wow, okay. But yeah, it's uh, quite a bit. That's huge, man. And then uh, how, what spray foam are you you're liking these days? So we're using Grizzly or Demolac. I've heard there's been lots of problems with, with spray foam. Chemicals. Yeah. Uh, 10 years or so ago, there were issues with spray foam and it wasn't best used back then. But now it's more enhanced. They've perfected it more and more. So now everyone wants to use it. Yeah, no, no I'm, I wasn't so, talking so much about that. It was mm -hmm. just because of COVID, like the, just the, the resources. And are, are you guys seeing that or not? You, no, no, we haven't. There's no. been no back orders or anything on any of the material. Actually, wait, in terms of back orders, yes, just in the last couple of weeks, we've received shortages it's so hard to get on it now so, so now what is it i guess it had something to do with the texas freeze kind of thing where that one plant that makes all these chemicals for a bunch of companies yeah it was just out of stock yeah and now it's hard, hard to get our hands on it so our suppliers are telling us this so we're just buying what we can are you pulling the trigger yourself i've done it i don't like doing it anymore. i don't like it either no. man i've tried it before and, I, and i've been around when they're doing it and it I respect the ones that know how to do it properly. Mm -hmm. Again, back to the building envelope assembly. You got to know what you're doing. You yeah. need the training. You need to be on site and you need to figure out how to fill the cavity properly, right? Exactly. So I know Demlek's a great product. Grizzly, I've never heard of. It, it's similar color. It's it's the same product, basically. Okay. It's just a different name. Different company or is it the same company? Different company. It's just the same color, same brand, same uh, chemicals they use. It's just different. 
What kinds of things has your dad seen the industry change, man? Also, when he used to insulate, yeah, like you said, it was two by four studs, R12. And in terms of vapor barrier, the poly, they just slap it on. They never really cared. And they stuff. never taped it. No, nothing. They were just put a few staples here and there, and that's it. Wasn't it thinner? It was. It was thinner. It, it was. was. Wasn't it like two mil or something? It was back then, yeah. Now so it's six mil. Six mil. So mm-hmm. it's a lot heavier, right? It, yeah. It's got some weight to it. But exactly. I, mean, I remember when I first got started and I started doing some rentals and I was doing homes from the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. the, the vaporware was so thin. It was just yeah. like... What's, it's like what's, a plastic bag. Yeah. It was apart. like painter's tarp or something. Yeah. And that's what they were doing. But they were just stapling it and that's it, slapping it, but it that's was it. nothing. That's it. Inspectors didn't care as long as they see insulation in the wall and some poly. It's passed. Are the inspectors good with you guys? Are they getting really critical these days? With So one thing about insulators, we're the last one before everything gets covered up, right? Yeah. So our the inspection is very, very tough on us. So they're always, sometimes they're picky, which is a good thing because they have to make sure the uh, whole house is sealed. But yeah, recently, every year and more years come, they're more stricter, they're more picky. So are they just looking for like things that are not properly taped or something's missing a hole here or there or something? Yeah, like you get your some inspectors here and there. They're pretty picky when it comes to that. If there's a tiny microscopic hole, they would fail the house. And then you come and tape that little hole. But it's a, if it's a microscopic hole and you guys got to roll the tuck tape right there, why not just so then you pass, right? Exactly. Are they just being mean? What's going on? Sometimes inspectors have bad days. I've got inspectors <laughs> that uh, that listen to the show, so I can easily say, are they being mean? They won't get offended. No. No, I've dealt <laughs> I'll with get some the bad hate inspectors, now. but I've dealt with some good ones. Yeah, no, of course. Every mm-hmm. And they're human beings, man. Exactly. So, I mean, they come in, and you're right. They might have a bad day. It could be a bad Friday, Monday, or whatever it is. Yeah. And then they could just be picking at it or something. Mm-hmm. But you guys are there ready to... Oh, yeah. We Take make sure everything is sealed and ready for inspection. It's very, it's very rare that our inspections fail, and that's because we have to know the building code. And the building code is constantly changing all the time, so we have to be constantly up to date. So how are you guys handling? I know that the biggest problem, and, and Carlito, who's been on the show before, he was always telling me that the biggest problem that he always had was the headers. Yeah. Right. So that's the most challenging part when you've got these really awkward shapes and spaces. And and I remember having a few conversations with inspectors or building officials and they're like, listen, you got to get in there, tape, 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 cut the plastic, go around mm-hmm. and start making an arts and crafts project out of it. Yeah, it basically is. A that's where they're puzzle. critical. They're really critical around yep. there, especially when it comes to slopes or fancy cathedrals, stuff like that. They're that's like the most crucial point. Like that, that's where they're going to spend a lot of their attention. Yeah. Make sure it's properly uh, airflowed with all the vents going up so that there's uh, proper airflow. I've had those arguments, and we could probably discuss this, where you're doing a flat roof application, and then you have to have slope for the asphalt on the outside. Mm-hmm. But then you start arguing with them about bats being put in there, and it has to have basically a false ceiling to create the vent but they're asking you to close it before it reaches the soffit area. Yeah. So that makes no sense to me because now you're not circulating the air. It's not going out and it's not coming up from the top because you've sealed it with the asphalt. Yeah, we've ran into that a few times. So How did you guys it, handle it? They're calling it a hot roof. So then basically you just pack it all in yeah. and it's a full cavity of insulation. Exactly. That's how I addressed it as well too. And yeah. then it kind of shut them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the thing is they still wanted the documentation from somebody to say that they signed off on this. Because their theory, what I've heard, is that if you don't create the ventilation, you start to create moisture dew points, 
which will start to eat away at the structure. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I don't know how long it will be, but over time that you'll still get some, you might get some rot and decay. Yeah. And that's where it is. But if you do a hot roof application where you just stuff it completely, then it, there's no chance of any dew point. Exactly. And we've done many of those houses just nice. full of hot roofs. And then what other things have you come across? Are you guys also doing removing old blown in? That's the worst job. <laughs> I've done it a few times. Yeah. I think I may have mentioned it on the show before where we did it one time, hired a crew. We were sucking it all out. It gets sucked out by, what is it, like a six or eight inch vacuum or something? Yeah. And then it goes into a bag. And then I watch that bag grow like it's a tumor or something. <laughs> exactly. And then all of a sudden, uh, I remember I did a job and there was a small hole. And as it got larger and I started paying attention to the hole and I started telling the guys, listen, is that an issue? And they're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Then the bag got bigger and bigger and bigger and it exploded. Really? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the entire <laughs> neighborhood, like the three, four houses around, all the old blown in went everywhere. Oh, they basically boy. spent well into the evening hours cleaning everything up. And That's I was just disaster. like, I guess yeah. that little hole was an issue. And they never did it. The, they, they were more precautions at that time. But yeah. that's how you guys do it. You guys suck it all out and then put the new stuff in. Yeah. What do you guys do with all the old insulation? Take it to the dump. It's just dump, right? That's yeah, all it is. That's pretty much what it is. Same nothing. with the uh, fiberglass batch scrap. Same thing. It all has to be bagged these days? Yeah. Or they get upset? Yeah, all the time. Well, okay, but why? What's the reasoning why it has to be bagged? Just so it's a cleaner job. That's all it is? Yeah, yeah that's what it is. I meant for the, um, the, the garbage. Oh, like, I actually don't know regarding that. I have no idea why they always no. force us to put it in bags and then they tell us to throw it out. Maybe I know a lot of it's recycled, so maybe they sort it out when they take it over there. But because a lot of the insulation is gets recycled, like Owens Cornering does that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they're taking their old bats and they're what chopping them up and reusing them again. Yeah. Same with the. I can't say for the other brands, but I'm pretty sure they do because you see on the bag 100% recycle or 99% recyclable material. So recyclable material from previous products of theirs mm-hmm. or just generic products no no previous products previous right? yeah all right so it sounds like a, you know a lot about the owens corning so i mean what's the product that you're using which one that you're specifically using these days they have everything from r12 to r54 but it really depends on the building code and the house on what the you're asking for yeah and then are they offering anything else? So I know that Owens Corning has gotten into the exterior XPS boards. Yeah. And they're taping that. You guys don't get involved in that, though. No. That's, that's part of the framers. Exactly. And then all you guys care about is, and then you're still just using 6 mil poly, taping it with tuck, joint, tuck yeah. tape. Yeah, and sealing it with acoustic sealant. Around all the receptacles? All, no, all exterior walls and ceiling. Okay. Yeah, everything. A bead on the bottom and the top? and Bottom, sides, top. Uh, all the poly in the interior ceilings all get sealed as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so make it nice and airtight. Why does the inspector have a issue then? I don't because that's better than a lot of other guys. Oh yeah, no, that's our standard. We have to do it like that. It's just better that way. Hmm. But some inspectors, yeah, depends on them. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if you're doing one house a day and you're moving that much volume, you're seeing the inspectors a lot. Yeah, I, I don't always on site when the inspectors come because I never have anything to worry about unless it comes to a specific like big model home. And I just want to be there for the first time, make sure he's happy, make sure he wants things done this way so we can go forward. And then you, you bring in the, the, the drywall guys come in yeah, and, they, exactly. and they start hanging all that stuff. Yeah. And I was surprised by how quick Shane is as well with when he's hanging drywall, how fast he is. Oh, yeah. He does an awesome job taping. He's very quick. Him, Sudi, and Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. 
And then, uh, so you're you you just sub that out. You you work with, or you have the guys that do so it. So I've worked with Shane many times before, but he has his own company too, so I can't always work with him. But I do have tapers and boardmen under me who work with me constantly on a daily basis. And then the tapers come in. Yeah. And take care of all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Anybody still doing level five these days or no? Only on like renovations. Okay. They usually do or like expensive big model custom homes right so they want to match what's existing there yeah like we're gonna we're about to be doing one uh coming up soon and the whole house has to be a level five the whole house yeah all walls and ceilings yeah it's a it's gonna be fun that's gonna be uh someone's gonna get a nice shoulder workout <laughs> oh yeah it's gonna sure. hurt man i know but it's gonna look nice because you always get a nicer finish it's you don't get you don't get that orange peel. You get no. a nice flat plastered look on exactly. it. Exactly. And it takes it takes time, but the end result is gonna be really nice. Okay, so your dad was in insulation. Mm -hmm. You got into insulation. For whatever reason, and I'm not trying to be negative about insulation, yeah. not everybody jumps to installation like insulation trade. Five, seven years ago, no one wanted to be an insulator because of the rates. And now well, I'm talking about union. When we were union, the rates weren't the best. And then five years later, they increased our prices and everyone wanted to be an insulator. How much did they increase it? Almost 50%. What took them so long to do that? Well, our union went on strike at that time. So all our price, uh, rates went up and now everyone wants to be an insulator and works. Well, that's, that's how it is. So are you guys now on par with other trades? Is that the idea? You guys are in and around the same ballpark? Pretty much. It just, when it comes to insulating, you have to know, like a lot of, you get some drywallers, right? They come in and they want to be an insulator because it's easy money, but then they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the cold. They don't know how to keep up with it. So you have to know, the up, keep up to date with the building cold and make sure the inspector's happy. For anybody who wants to get into that trade, it's not just about stuffing wall cavities, no. joist cavities. You Before you guys get in there, you've got all the mechanical coming in. So you got all kinds of, wires we know that right off the bat and then yeah. we have it all plump and we got all the hvac and everything like that mm -hmm. you got to know how to split the bags or the split the bats and exactly. then you got to know how to put them in properly and then everybody so do you guys educate the new guys is that the idea yeah so when we have someone who comes in and they want to be apprentice and they want to learn we train them step by step what has to be done splitting wires whenever we insulate in the walls uh, when it comes to plumbing we split the bats as well make sure it's nice and condensed and packed and we go from there but insulating the walls itself is the most crucial point because it has to look nice and pretty and it has to be done right because the inspector can come in rip our poly off check our wires and the bats are not split or the bats are not split when it comes to plumbing and that has to be done it's a cold have they done that they have done it really so you guys are all done taped everything sealed and what do they do just pull the poly just pull and, the poly out and, and check pull our the work. and just check yeah which is fine i mean they have to right yeah but it's pretty rare it must be a good feeling, though, that if they were to do it and they actually find that the bat's been split and everything's proper. That makes them look bad. <laughs> yeah. But then do they do they kind of just drop the bat and just go uh, tuck tape that now, fix that? Exactly. They do we, that? Yeah, we're going to come in and ah, Really? Yeah. I'd be a little peeved by that, man. Uh, a little bit, but we're so used to it now. So it's like anything that's ripped up, we have to come in and fix it. Okay, sure. So yeah. as he or she's walking away, you just hear that roll of tuck tape come out exactly. and then it tapes it up time. again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of fun. I'd be a little peeved by that, man. I know he's, he's, they got to do their job. I totally understand that they got to do the job and they can't see through walls, right? Yeah. They're not like contractors, right? No, so no. It might, I get it, but I mean, how many times is he or she going to do that? 
Did they do it more than once? The inspector, not so much. It's more of the other trades, the carpenters. Oh, they forgot to do something, or the plumbers or the electricians, they forgot to add something or do something. So once the house is completely sealed up, they rip our stuff down, do their stuff, and then we come back and repair it. So you guys get the phone call to come back and oh, repair yeah. it? That's quite a bit, actually, nowadays. People are just forgetting things here and there, so we got to come back and touch it up. That's been my biggest problem when we finally, you have meeting after meeting with clients, and you explain to them, as soon as you hang all the drywall, yeah, we want to try to avoid doing any holes to do any chases. But I don't care who you are in this industry. It's going to happen. You can try to get the clients to be on, on board, but they're going to ask for a change. They're going to ask for something to be modified. And yeah. then all of a sudden, you're right. Then you get somebody coming in, cut the drywall, cut the poly, run whatever you got to run. And then, okay, that's it. It's done. But then you guys got to come in and properly tape it. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain, but we have to keep the homeowner or client happy, right? You know, it's the one thing I haven't done, James, is I haven't taken a thermal cam to a bad application. Have you ever tried that? I've never tried it, but I've heard of people doing that. Okay. Because I know that with foam, it's pretty easy to see. You'll see all the bridging. You'll see the studying. You'll see all that stuff. And then you'll mm -hmm. see where the, the foam is. But I have never done it with bats to see how it looks yeah, no. on a thermal cam. I'd be curious to see about if anybody's done that, if they've got any images to, to yeah, send in my way. I've heard of people doing it, but no, we've never done it ourselves. Because that would be a good way to teach your young guys who are just getting started out to understand building envelope and try to get a better idea of why you have to do it this way. Exactly. Because you'll see cold spots. Easily you'll see cold oh, spots. Oh, not even that. Especially in the winter, you can see from the vapor barrier. If it's not done properly, the water is condensing in the inside. Already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. So... You want to share a little bit of insight on, on the arsenal of tools that you're using, what specific knives you're using? or We just use regular, um, the Ulfa, yeah. OLFA. We just use those blades all the time, the six-inch blades, sometimes the wall blades, but our, that's our main knives. Like blades, you can use any kind of blade as long as it's six-inch, but our main tool is our tack hammer. That's what we use a lot. That's how it staples up our poly. You guys are still using a manual tack hammer? Oh, yeah. You guys don't go. I actually spent the money on the Milwaukee. It's the only Milwaukee tool I have. And you used it before on the Poly. I've used it on Poly. It works really well. I hardly ever use it. it. It's there if I need it. It's stupid expensive. It was yeah. like 400 bucks. And then I bought the extra battery. But it actually is. It's nice. I have the tack hammer as well, too. But I just find that that hammer is nice. Or that yeah. tool is nice. We prefer the tack hammer. It's just faster to work with. Especially when doing the ceilings. It's true, because I mean the gun still has a little bit of weight to it. Yeah. So if you're up on the ceilings all the time, then you, yeah, your arm's gonna tack tack. It's yeah. Just be and easier. the thing with the tack hammer has this spring, so when you hit it, it continuously bounce, bounces back, which is what makes us go faster. You tell me, because I'm not exactly sure about this. Technically speaking, on OBC, you're supposed to tape all the staples. Is that correct or not? I, I wouldn't say it's correct. I've never had to do that before. They never asked you to do no. that? Because I've had guys come up to me and, and have that conversation say that, technically speaking, you're supposed to tape all the staples. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, that's a poly that's against a piece of framing. And then you stapled it. So you've sealed that point right there. We've ran, like a few years ago, we ran into an inspector who was like that. And he made us tape everything. So every stud was just red tape or blue tape. <laughs> completely. 
and it was just a waste of time because when you put the drywall on, you're screwing right into the right studs. through it. That's what I mean. So it doesn't make any sense. But no, I've I've never heard it's part of a code. I don't know if it is. I'm not exactly sure if it is. That's why I, I just know that I've spoken to some building envelope guys, mm -hmm. and I've spoken to some inspectors, and they brought it up, and then they all all they've brought it up, and they just started it by saying, technically speaking, okay. you're supposed to tape these because you're wow. creating a, a hole in the. I go, I get it. But the drywallers are coming along and they're going to be making a hole. And then when the trim guys come along and they put baseboards and they miss the stud, they're going to make a hole and so mm -hmm. on and so on and so on. So what are you supposed to do? At what point do you stop? Exactly. It doesn't make sense. What else you want to chat about? How insulators are underappreciated. <laughs> well, you're right. I, I mean, the thing is, it is almost a thankless job, right? It's yeah. like... It's not every, the funnest job. It's very dusty. It's very... Yeah. And you guys go in there and it's a necessary job. It has to be done properly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like pouring the foundation. It has to be straight. It has to be level. It has to be where it's supposed to be. Otherwise, yeah. everything else starts to fall apart. If you're given framing that's terrible and you've got to, which I'm assuming that you've seen before, yeah, where your cavities are supposed to be 14 and a half inches, but they're not because they're not on 16 centers. The bats are designed for that. They're designed to fall nice and snug in between those right exactly so are you bringing this up to the gc at that point if it's that's the case or are you guys just no we just have to work with it you got it so you're slicing yeah. pieces of insulation yeah sticking it so it holds in nicely but there's nothing we can do at that point but when it comes to insulating you people just we're the last inspection right so everything has to be perfect it's not like uh, the borders they come and they put the board on they do a great job but when it comes to insulating that's it the inspector passes it once that's done the walls ceilings everything goes and up. then they don't return until we do the final walkthrough exactly for which basically is just to look for the p-traps to make sure that they're working properly and that's it mm -hmm. and then esa's got their thing and they sign off on the panel and that's all but yeah you're right i mean there's so much pressure on you guys like it falls on you yeah if we don't do something right no one else can work everything gets held up until our house passes inspection yeah you're right i mean you guys are kind of underappreciated at that point because everybody, and the really crappy thing is that you got clients coming in, just get, I want to get that done because I need to start seeing drywall on the wall. And so yep. we can start putting trim, we can start hanging doors, we can start doing tile, we can start doing flooring, we can start mm -hmm. getting into all the finishing stuff. Yeah. So just get it in there. Yeah, unfortunately, but we make it look nice. Basically, you guys get pushed under the gun, right? To get it done quickly at that point. Yeah, always. You can't really rush it when it comes to big homes or complicated designs, but... We try to get it done as fast as possible for them. So how was it for you, James, to go on your own? Like you were working with somebody else, and so you're an employee, and now you're going on your own. How was that that transition? So I was working with my dad for a long time. Still, okay. I mean, still, we still work together when we do houses. He taught me the whole trade. He taught me how to do everything and how to act with the other trades and how to behave and all the rules and regulations. And then I just went off on my own and did my own thing. It worked out so far. It's working out for it. And, yeah. and so you started during COVID. The company? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we started last September. Yeah. How was that? Because I know a few people have been on the show that actually made that step. They made that transition going on their own. And, and they had a lot of their friends say, what are you thinking, man? Like, what's wrong with you? Just keep security around. Don't don't try anything new. I was worried as well. But I ha I know a lot of people and I know the industry, everyone they can't travel, they can't do anything. So everyone wants to do renovation or build a house. So I thought that would be a good time to come in. 
and it's been good. Yeah, we've been steady, pretty steady for a, for a, for a year now. And then the three guys that are working for you, like how do you know them? How do you guys know everybody? Uh, the insulators? Yeah. So it's actually for my family. It's my dad, my brother, and our family friend. So they're all, all insulators. We're all insulators, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it like that. Keep it in the family. No, man, if you guys are good at it, then keep doing it. That's all. Yeah, no, we travel. We go all over Ontario. It doesn't matter where. Oh, really? How far? Because you're, you're based we, in where? We, we're based in Stouffville, Yeah. we service all of Ontario. So we've worked in all the way in Ottawa to north of Huntsville, Windsor, London, Owen Sound, Port Elgin, all these areas. Wow. Yeah. You don't find the commute a little longer? It depends on... You see, when if I stuck in the GTA, it's so competitive. We have so many different uh, drywall contractors, right? So I just thought branching out would be better. And it is because there is a need in the north and the east and the west because no one wants to go out that way. Or nobody wants to do the trade. Exactly. So when we come out, I get guys, my guys, they come out and they do the good work and we get the work done. And the GCs or the builders, they're happy with it. So they continue giving us They call it. you guys up and then you go. Yeah. I love that Like you still work with Shane and you guys all have this tight-knit community where mm -hmm. you don't look at each other as competition. You look more as the, at each other as a community. Yeah. And so if you do have a bind and you have a job and you can reach out and speak to this other person that you know that's also in your trade, exactly. they'll probably take it on and help you out. I love that. Yeah, no, I really like it too. It's just we're a big family, basically. <laughs> well, that's what you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. But that's it's it's kind of contradictory. And I don't want to get into the unions are not necessarily known for that, right? Unions no, are more like we're the trade and that's it. And exactly. And then if there's anything wrong, they just send in a service guy. But when you guys don't treat it that way. No, we don't have service guys. We got to make sure everything is done perfect and nice and it's ready. We don't have guys that come in and fix everyone else's work. We have to make sure. So the guys who work with me. They're good guys. They do great work. They do awesome, awesome job. And they, I make sure that, you know, they, when they leave, everything is done perfect. So no one gets called back. Because nobody makes money on callbacks. No, no. So it's why not just, pain. yeah, just do it nicely when you have an opportunity to do it. Exactly. Ever come across any challenging projects? Any insane vaulteds, turrets, all kinds of things? Oh, we've, yeah, we've had our fair share. I remember one house we did in King City... It was a few years ago. I was about six sections of scaffolding high. and Just to get to the just top? Just to get to the top. And the whole ceiling, the whole vaulted ceiling had to be insulated. And it was a big 30 by 30 opening. Are you guys bringing the bags up? Yeah. Or, so or? you have one guy at the bottom and he's just slowly <laughs> bringing it up. And there's two guys at the top and we're just installing it carefully. But yeah, no, it's uh, pretty high. That's a challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming there was a skylight up there as well, too? No. It was just a big coffered ceiling. That's all there was. That's all. And you guys were just stuffing it all and then yeah, poly it. Unfortunately, yeah. Wow. I can't even imagine. So the, how many bags were you guys using in that one ceiling? Oh, I don't remember. That was a few, a few years ago. So it's like bag after bag after bag. Yeah. And, cracking and, it's, it and it's all R54. So that's, <sighs> that's heavy. Yeah. So you're doing R54 is what? You're doing two layers? No, just one layer. One layer. Yeah, because when it comes to like a coffered ceiling or raised ceiling in a house, it it's still there's still attic space, but it's classified as not really an attic space. So minimum code is R31. So we like to use 31 or 40 or 54. I'm curious, James. How did you learn all this stuff? Your dad passed on some of the knowledge, mm -hmm. but building code evolves a little slowly, but it evolves. So how do you pick it up? Where do you find out that what you have to do? Or is it all written on... It's never written on the joints. No. So, sometimes it is. Some. But 
you I, I like to keep up with it because you do you get to find out online the building codes but we always use the highest r value you can when we're insulating houses so that there's no mistake in case so like whenever there's two by six studs we like to use r22 or r24 r value just and anything less we we won't use it just in case the inspector comes in oh this is the wrong insulation that's a big problem for us. Someone out there is making a two by six cavity insulation bat that's less than R22? Yeah, R20. R20. Mm -hmm. Is there anything smaller? Like, are they, is there bats out there that are that same depth but less R value? Uh, no, just R20. R20. R20 is the lowest. It starts at two by six and then it goes up. And then what's the thickest? You can get an R24 for a 2x6 cavity. Exactly. That's the max. Yeah. So we usually use R22 or R24. With spray foam, you're getting a lot more. You're getting R6.5 or whatever it is per inch. Yeah, exactly. So you, you don't need to fill up the whole cavity at that no. point. No, usually the cavity is R22 or R24 with spray foam. You guys ever do any flashing with the spray foam on the attics and then put the blowing in on top of that? Rarely. Like some builders or some clients want that, but we rarely do that. It's not really something that's we do. Okay. But yeah, some we've done it a couple of times. Skylights are always a pain in the ass to the skylights are fun, especially the two by two skylights. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the two by two. But yeah. if it's a four by four and there's a wall around it, then technically you're supposed to get is it R twenty four around the Yeah, same thing. R twenty four, R twenty two, whatever the drawings are calling for on the walls. And then you're putting those on inside the attic. Yeah, Is and it, vapor barrier. And vapor, yeah, exactly, and vapor barrier. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a lot of fun, especially when those skylights are above a big opening or a big staircase. <laughs> yeah, building an entire floor. For they're that. always, man, James. They're oh. always over the staircases. The clients always want them over there, and then you've got to build a makeshift scaffold to get up there. There's no yep. other way to do it, and then all the other trades start complaining because they got to walk around it. Yeah, but then. That scaffold that somebody built is now being used by the drywallers, then the tapers, then mm -hmm. the trim. So it's actually needed at that point. Exactly. But it'd be nice if they started looking at the drawings and realizing, sure, you want a skylight here? Maybe make the stairwell a little bit bigger so then you could put the scaffold and then have people still walk exactly. around. Exactly. That would be Just helpful. a thought, but they don't think that. <laughs> no, no, I know. I know. That's always fun to do that. Basements? Basements? It depends. If they're finished basements, we spray foam in majority of the time r20 just have a continuous seal around the foundation because now building code is that you need to have a continuous you have to have a minimum one inch behind the framing on top of the concrete so then you can have a continuous uh, exactly separation and sometimes they don't do that so that's why we spray foam instead the one thing that and i've seen it in the faces of clients is when you have living space above a basement but then half of it is exterior patio so now you've got a six inch concrete slab mm -hmm. but as per the building code you have to have a minimum i think of i think it's an, a minimum of r31 yeah and you think like an overhang it has yeah to an be overhang yeah r31 r31 right so then and also it has to be continuous so now you have to frame it in a way that the framing is one inch off that slab and then you can foam it and get your r31 exactly but then now you're dropping the ceiling height of the basement which clients don't like yeah but if you don't do that, and I try to explain them to the, this, mm -hmm. that slab is going to get so cold in the winter months that if you don't have the proper insulation there, condensation is going to form on your drywall, and then you're going to have an indoor shower right <laughs> exactly. over your home yeah. theater, right? That's basically what's going to happen. Yeah, That's where science class comes in. So it's good, it's good to share <laughs> that. We've done lots of drywall. We, 
that's where we flourish. I got lots of board crews and they are awesome guys. Mm-hmm. We, t- we are currently working on a few subdivisions in the north, so they're constantly there every day. How, I'm hearing that there's so much construction going on, like especially outside of the main area of the Toronto area. Oh, there is so there's much. There's a huge amount of construction outside. Yeah, there's a lot of customs, but a lot of subdivisions. Yeah. Nothing like what they build nowadays. Like the houses in the north and the west, they're simple boxes, beautiful, easy to work with. They're not funny shaped and no. funny roof lines and funny no, this. No fancy peaks or tray ceilings or coffered ceilings, just square, flat. It's actually, if you think about it, James, I mean, those are the houses that are better sealed. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. then you don't have to fight these, these weird elements that they're coming up with design-wise. Exactly. And I find it in the outside of the GTA, they're just built better. They take more care of their house. and Is that yeah, really? It. Yeah. How far out are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about anything from like an hour to three hours. Really, huh? Yeah. What's the construction cost going out? I mean, are, are the rates the same? Unfortunately, the rates are, are lower. Yeah, that's what I assume. Exactly. But when we come in, we can also do the volume and as well give them the quality job. So when they see both, they don't mind paying a little bit extra than what they are normally paying. But when it comes to insulation, they throw it all in. Because it's out of the city and it's in the north or in the west, it's colder. So they just pack it all in, which is really nice. Because like in the city, they don't really care so much about the insulation, just the minimum, minimum all the time. But outside, it's just spray foam, extra insulation here and there. It's, it's really well done. Was your material hit with increases, like the actual insulations and yeah. the bats? They were the increases. Yeah, I think for me, insulation went up about... Three, three or four times. Three or four times yeah. than what it was before. Yeah, unfortunately. That's a big change, man. Yeah, it's a big increase. And a lot of clients were in the be- happiest because they're paying the extra in insulation and drywall. Yeah, but I mean, there's twofold here. Yeah, you First of all, you got to keep your house warm mm-hmm. and cool in the summer months. The material's going up because, I guess, of factory manufacturing process. Yeah, and the shipping. Uh, lots of shipping issues. Like a lot especially when it comes to drywall there there's always problems bringing in drywall from the states or abroad well, have we had a shortage of drywall no drywall didn't really get that much of an increase did it a little bit for me it went up about twice but okay. there were shortages at one point hard to get den shield or duroc stuff like that but now it's pretty steady it's a lot better than what it used to be it's kind of leveling off yeah. now so you got your crew that comes in, takes care of all the drywall, takes care of all the bathroom, waterproofing, green board, all that stuff. Yeah. Then you got a whole other crew that does the taping. Yeah. You don't get involved in that. No, I don't. I like to stay away. Let the tapers do their magic and take care of that. I've done it. I but don't it's like not it. Your thing. No, it's not me. It's not me. I stick with insulation. Where do you see yourself from here? You're just getting started on your own, and then I mean, how long? Your dad's been doing it for how long? Thirty-five years. Yeah, just over. Okay, and then are you planning on doing it for another 35 years? Is that the idea, or what's, what's the thoughts for the future? Well, I like to continue growing my business and, you know, hoping to get more work, more subdivisions and customs, because we do have the manpower. That's one thing that I have and we really like. And the guys that I use, they're the same guys I use on all of my jobs. And the clients and the builders, they all like them because they're really, really nice guys. And that's one of the biggest compliments that I get from the builders is this your guys, how, how are they so nice? And you have them traveling two, three hours to do a house for us. So that's one thing I'm really happy to have. Is that you or is that the crew? That's the crew. 
That's the crew. That's but it, the insulators. That's the drywallers. Those are the tapers. But is that you? That's kind of setting a tone with the crew, saying, "Listen, this is how we've got to represent ourselves, right?" Exactly. I like to treat my guys with respect and keep them happy, make them happy, right? So I don't like just throwing them a bone, and I don't care about them or anything. I like to keep them happy. It's funny that a lot of contractors, a lot of tradespeople, we drive a lot longer than the average person that has an occupation or a career. Yeah. Most people, I guess, in any ma major city is maybe commuting, what, 30 minutes each way. Yeah. So they're spending. But that's like that's on the bottom end of a tradesperson. Tradespersons, you know, the tradespeople are probably driving 45 to an hour each way. Mm -hmm. but you, you're doing some jobs that are even further than that. Yeah, my crews, they drive back and forth two and a half hours one way. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that every day. That's challenging for me. No, but you, it, you, the reason why they do it is because the work is easy and the houses are easy to work with and I pay them I pay them a good wage so they're not ha unhappy. Because no one's going to go out there to work for less. No. Right? But then they're also providing a service for the value that they're getting, mm -hmm. the amount. So it makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And you guys, I'm still, I'm still dumbfounded that you go in and you take care of it in one day. Oh, everything. Poly taped, everything. All ready for it. inspection. Ready. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's fast, man. I think it's fast. Oh, well, we try to be. <laughs> we, uh, we learned from the best. My father taught us the best way, so that's how we learned. Do you ever go back to the homes after the fact, like when they're finally done, or take a peek at it and see what they've done, or maybe yeah, they change? Yeah, like all the trim and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've seen them. They're really nice finish. It looks really nice, especially when we do... It's not really known for in the city now. It's California ceilings. Yeah. In the north, that's all they do. California ceilings. Everybody's asking for it. And I'm like, wow, we get paid to get rid of that. And now we're <laughs> getting paid to put it on. Okay. But the way they do it, it's just, it's just slow after we spray it in and then all the nice finishing touches and the paint of the walls come in and all that. It just looks so nice. So I'm like, wow. Okay. It's, it's nice it. to see it because not a lot of tradespeople get a chance to actually come back and take a look at it. Yeah. It's like I always feel hard for the concrete guys, framers, roofers, because they got to get their jobs done, but then they disappear to the next one and do yeah. it again and do it again, but they never get an opportunity to come back and take a look at the finished product. It's only towards the end, the finishing, that they're there right to the end, so they see what it's going to look like. Yeah, exactly. We've worked in Ottawa many times before for the last few years. How is Ottawa? It's very different. It's a in lot way? different than here. So like in terms of their building code. Especially insulation, super, super strict. You can't get away with anything, even the littlest thing. But why would it be different? Because Ottawa is still part of the OBC. It is, but I don't know. There's different zones. Ontario has different zones of uh, heating and cooling. Ottawa has its own zone. GTA Toronto has their own zone. Muskoka has its own zone. So every zone has different requirements. Even though it's the same house, but... It's being insulated differently. So why are they so strict in Ottawa? And then the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I just got a message from a, a fan, a, a, a listener, and uh, I just threw a crazy idea at him. I was going, maybe I'll take a little road trip and go to Ottawa and, and do a few podcasts out there to for some of the trades to get a better idea. Because yeah. I've been doing all the shows here in Toronto, so I get a I get a, an idea of what all the Toronto, Ontario, this kind of area, they, they do how they build. But Ottawa, now that you're saying it, it's piquing my interest even more to find out how they're doing things. Yeah, it's just, it is a very different way of life over there. As in, a lot of the people, a lot of the trades don't want to work. So that's why they're asking us to come out there and help them out with the work. 
Really? Yeah. So like even but when so they I don't s- have the workforce. But I hear that about all the northern parts of same thing. Same thing. That's why we're going to the north. That's why we like to branch out and service Ontario because no one else wants to do it. So we'll come and we'll do it. So you're just paying attention to where people are not working and you're going, well, we'll come. We have no problem with traveling. My guys love to travel. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't really look at it. So, okay, Ottawa. And then same thing with the drywall? No, or is this? No, no not the same thing with the drywall, just with insulation. Like they don't. Some builders prefer not to use spray foam. It's like when you get your two-story house, you spray foam the garage ceiling because yes. it's an overhang. Yeah. In Ottawa, it's rarely ever done. They so want bat. They want bat, and it's like the old, old-school way. It's like um, you, you vapor bear inside the ceiling of the attic of the garage. You seal it with acoustic sealing all the way around. Then you bat it with R31 or R40, and then you Tyvek the whole ceiling. So you're putting poly in between each of the joists. Yeah, between the ceiling and the floor of the, the yeah. floor. Yeah, the above. Uh, and then you're filling it with with bat. Yeah. And then you're putting Tyvek. So you're treating it as if it's an exterior. You're you're finishing up as if you're doing both sides of the wall. Exactly. Because what's going on between that attic ceiling and the floor? They run their HVAC. Yes. And then they blow the hot air and yes. heats up the floor. So that's just, just a cheaper way of doing it. It's what used to be done here. Yeah. Like a long time ago, right? But they're still doing it over there. They just don't want to use spray foam. I remember like I, I one of my first jobs I ever did, I had a client and they were saying that their garage was like the bedroom above the garage was freezing. So I already had suspicions that it had something to do with poor insulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had someone come out and the garage door, she had a garage door guy come out. And, and of course, the garage door guy said, it's your garage door. You need a new garage door, right? Which it, that wasn't the case. They bought a new garage door. They bought three new garage doors. I said, it's really simple. You just got to make a hole in the drywall and take a peek. That's all it is. And sure enough, we made a hole. And what we found was we had bats, loose bats everywhere. We had HVAC lines into the actual cavities that were going nowhere. Some of them weren't even connected. Then we had all this poly that wasn't even taped or sealed or anything like that. So I recommended just spray foam the whole thing. I can understand that maybe in Ottawa area, maybe they've gotten the horror stories about half pound foam being used on those garage applications. They still use it here. I know, but half pound is useless. Half pound doesn't do anything but like nothing. It doesn't do anything. No. It's garbage. So you'd have to actually use two pound, properly seal it. So that's what we did. We actually, it took time. Like we had to rip all the drywall down. We had to properly seal it with the spray foam. And then all of a sudden we did it and we were working over the winter months. And then she came back to me once we were all sealed. And she just said his room is the warmest room upstairs now. Her son's, right? So I'm like, well, that's what the problem was. It wasn't properly sealed the way it was supposed to be. So I'm surprised that Ottawa doesn't want to touch that. The reason being is just money. They don't want to pay for it. The builders don't want to pay the money to spray foam. So the dollar value out there as well is lower, like even for the trades and what they're offering. Yeah, super low. So you guys got to shift gears and then lower your price as well too? Slightly. As long as we can make up with it in the volume and keep the quality, then they don't mind. Then it's worth it, right? But yeah, no, most of the builders, they just don't want to pay the extra coin. So how far would you go? I mean, like what, where there's got to be a cutoff. I mean, two and a half hour drive each way. Uh, Thunder Bay. Oof. Dude, that's far, <laughs> yet, man. That's yet. extremely far. Not yet. It has to be <laughs> worth it, but it depends. Yeah. You're going to have to do an overnight or start doing a camper or something like that. Oh yeah. Hook up a trailer to the truck for sure. <laughs> What's the best way 
to seal your insulation vapor barrier boxes for all your recessed lights in your attic cavities. Acoustical sealant. That's it. That's the best. It's better than blue because right now there's blue tape, so it's designed for vapor barrier. But the it's best sealant is acoustic sealant. Okay. That's the best way for it. It just completely seals it. It's like you get really, really minor air holes, but it's not like tape. You can just tear it off. That's it. This is like, it's like a glue and it's completely sealed. So it's not going to come off for a long time. So what's the deal? You put the vapor barrier bag or box, whatever it's called, and then you're just cutting out the poly and then you're just putting a bead of a cool yeah. sealant around it. And then we press around it. To press around it and sealant. that's it. Yeah. And it's not going anywhere. No. It's ready for drywall. Oh, then yeah. electrician could do whatever they want with their lights, right? Yeah. Are you also putting acoustical sealant on the wires coming in? Uh, or foam. Or foam, huh? Yeah. And then you take care of all the blown in on the attic side. Exactly. Hmm. Usually, we, and we also put the, uh, the more vents, the rafter vents go around things, so we have airflow. Okay. So we do that as well. They still make those things that are out of foam? Or the uh, pink. Uh, yeah, the pink ones, right? Oh, yeah. We use it constantly. Just stapled? Yeah, staples. What's building code for that? Every other rafter or every rafter? Some builders actually want every single uh, rafter, like every single space. Some says, and but technically it's supposed to be every three. Some just want it every single space. So it's supposed to be what every six feet? Because they're, they're they're two foot jo- yeah. uh, roof rafters, right? Yeah. Every, every two foot feet. center. Three to six feet, yeah. So every third space. So why are the builders asking for every single one and? Usually, in their experience, they just find it it's just better flow of air. Okay. Not in, so they're like you when you only put like one every third space, it's not as much airflow. It still works, but some builders just said they had bad experiences, so we put every spot. I'm trying to figure out: Are you responsible putting the sock on the HVAC exhaust lines, or is that no HVAC is That's responsible HVAC for that? Yeah. yeah. So they've got to go into the attic after you're done. No, Usually it's actually done before. Yeah, they're done before, right? So mm-hmm. then technically you arrive, and that pipe should be insulated. Exactly. But I'm sure that you've seen some pipes not insulated. Some are not, so we do it. So you guys are just yeah, sock we on. just put like we get vapor barrier and poly and make a wrap, just put it around. And as long as you put the, yeah, because I mean, even with whatever you're supposed, I guess, code the bag itself, the sock or whatever they call it. The minimum R5. Yeah, that's what it is, right? It's hard. It's R nothing is basically at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we've been talking all about new construction and installations, mm-hmm. but now you get, I'm sure you come across jobs that are rentals. Yeah. And you're tying into old or you're opening up walls that don't have any insulation at all. Exactly. So yeah. like a lot of the older 60s, 70s. Those homes were just strapping, and you're doing double brick. And newspaper or sawdust. Like, yeah, or that's, yeah, which doesn't do shit. It no. doesn't do anything at all. So what are you guys doing at that point? Or is that up to the GC at that point where they've got to fur it out? Usually it is in the, it's the GC's decision what they want to do. So like you get your one-by-one one walls or your two-by-two, two, all strapping, right? So sometimes they just want to leave it in. And we can't really do anything when it comes to insulation. I mean, the lowest form of insulation they make is an inch and a half for strapping. But when it comes to like strapping like that, we prefer to foam it. It's just a better seal. But yeah, because I had someone just reach out to me and they just said, why don't I avoid all the extra cost to fur this out and lose space in my house? Or why don't I just get inch and a half XPS board and put it in between each of the strapping? And I said, because it's not going to do anything. No, it literally doesn't. It doesn't. So you're better off just leaving the strap in if you want and then foam it, flash it. Flash it, get get it sealed better. It'll be a lot better than the XPS boards, right? Mm -hmm. 
It's true. Or then, or they can strap it, put new wall, and then you bat it. Yeah. And then you just go that whole route. Yeah. Plus, you give better. it. You give the electricians chase so they can run their wires. You can run vents. Uh, your vent plumbing as well. You can't do your main stacks, but you can still do some stuff. Exactly. No, it works out well for everyone. But yeah, when it, renovation installation, it's always a difficulty sometimes. It's a little more thinking. Exactly. And then it always depends on the budget or what the homeowner wants. I know, but I mean, James, correct me if I'm wrong. Your line item is not one of the most expensive line items in a budget. Technically, no, but I mean, material is nowadays. It's getting up there. It is. So you'll still get clients that'll question that line item? Well, and I get a lot of questions from clients like when it comes to renovation, even some in new builds, they always try to cheat on the insulation. But I'm like, it's your home. You want to keep it nice and warm in the winter and cool in the summer, but they just want to cheap out just because it costs. It makes no sense, man. No. I mean, especially if they start talking to you how this is our forever home. We're going to stay here for the next 20, 25 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to cheap out on stuff that's going to keep you warm and toasty? No, you, you can't. You, you need to look after your own home. I'll never understand clients. But then again, I mean, I guess the best way to understand clients is to become a client yourself, right? Yeah. And then you start hiring the trades that you've been working with the whole time. And then, then you'll get a better perspective of it. I'll still not understand them after that. It doesn't <laughs> matter to me. But I'm assuming that you get all the all the bags are delivered on site. You guys aren't carrying that stuff in there, right? It depends on the house. Like if it's a small job, then we'll just carry it in yeah. ourselves. But if it's a full new house and you guys are doing it, then... Oh, I yeah, mean, my suppliers, they bring it in. Yeah. How many bags are we talking about on average? Average is about minimum 30 to 40. 30 bags. Yeah. And who is your go-to these days? I don't know who... For like, suppliers. Yeah, suppliers. Watson Building Supplies. Yeah, that's... I mean, I've heard of Watson before for sure. They're, they're awesome. They're great. Oh, they're amazing. They take care of me. They're They're so good. Yeah. Never have any issues with them. They go above and beyond. They're a where, very good supplier. Where are they located? Everywhere. They're like all over Ontario. They got Barry, Belleville, Vaughan, Scarborough, Cambridge, Burlington. They're and they everywhere. sell every type of bat, every type of drywall. Drywall I've never even heard of sometimes. But yeah, they get at everything. Really? Yeah. Even uh, the big 20 foot sheets of drywall. You want that? They'll put in an order for that. 20 foot sheets? Yeah. Like in the States, that's what they use a lot. I've been seeing. 20 foot. Yeah. I don't want to be handling a 20 nope. foot sheet of drywall. Just crack in half as soon as you pick it up. Is it also made in 5.8? I don't know about that. 20 foot? Half inch. I have problems holding onto a 12 foot. <laughs> 20 foot sheet of drywall. I know. I've seen one guy handle it by himself. I don't know how. It's all about balancing and then hopefully it doesn't crack. No, that's a two. That's a two man job. It's a three man job. Yeah, it's a three man job. That's yeah. twenty foot long. But I guess yeah. Well, I mean, at, in the manufacturing process, they're just running it through, and then they're purposely cutting it where we need it yeah. for for sales. Exactly. So they cut it at eight or nine or ten or whatever it is. So they can cut it at forty. It's just shipping and getting it inside the property, right? Exactly. But I mean. Would be nice to do an entire floor and you have 20-foot sheets and oh, you've got like two seat. butt joints or exactly. something like that. So Super it makes easy. a lot of sense. No, but Watson's good for that. They'll get me whatever I need. Is that who your dad was using too? No, as, as we were, we're union. So the drywall contractors, they take care of all the insulation. But with me, I look after that now. And then you went after Watson and you spoke to Watson, built a relationship with Watson. Exactly. I've used some suppliers before, but just had bad experiences with them. But these guys, awesome. What kind of experiences? Like they treat you as if it's a pizza. Yeah. Like, like they, they they like like you don't care, right? No, it arrives when like, it arrives. Bro, you're you're nothing. I got bigger clients than you. Like. 
whatever. But there's always a small fish that becomes a big fish. Yeah, exactly. That's what they keep forgetting. All right, James. No, I just want to let everybody know again. So JM Insol. So I N S U L. JM Insol zero one at gmail dot com and Instagram is JM underscore Insol. Suppliers have been funny during this pandemic. I'm gonna say the majority of them have gotten into the low gear of customer service. Yeah, which is really bothering me because I think that in this time. They should be ramping it up and understanding how stressful we as business owners and tradespeople, what we're going through, and they should be just dropping a dime and going, "Hey, how you doing? Are you okay? Everything's fine. How's business? It's good." I haven't been seeing a lot of that. No, I haven't seen you know, like you know, "Hey, how you doing?" Emails from a lot of them, and I'm I'm starting to question. And then when I do get one, I remember it. And then when things get back to normal land, I'm going to go to that one that reached out. Yeah. Because that's, you're going to remember that. Exactly. Is. That's how that's how we built businesses. Build a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's huge, right? So, I mean, yeah. I mean, you went through bad suppliers for a good reason because you wanted to see what a good supplier was going to be. Exactly. And then you got a good supplier like Watson and they all of a sudden they, they want to take care of you, nurture the business yeah. and then be there for you. So then whenever you get another job, you're going to get bigger and bigger jobs. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to call them up and you're going to go, I'm going to need a hundred bags for this one job. Then they're going to give and they'll take care of you. Oh yeah. No, they, they go everywhere. They travel three hours for me sometimes. So, wow. No, they're, they're really good. Is it cutthroat? Like, is it everybody trying to underbid each other or no? I find that a lot. Is there? Especially in the Toronto GTA area. Really? Yeah. Not so much in the northern sides? No, because it's not, like I said, there's not a lot of people who want to work up there. It's a community. Exactly. You get your on, your on and off guys up there that will do the on uh, odd job here and there. But in the city, it's just, there's hundreds, even thousands of contractors out there. That, that and everybody would just try to nickel and dime? Yeah. We all know the rates that we all use, so we stay in that line. But then you get sometimes the guys that come in and they just thousands and thousands undercut us. And it's impossible. It's so are they, are they doing it just to spite or something? Because no, they, they're I not like, profitable. No, it's, it's not. Because it's like it's a one-man band or something like that. But no, they're, I, they're just doing it just to get the job, it seems. But then you assume that they're going to do a poor job. It may not get inspected. They'll keep on band-aiding it. Then it'll get inspected, but then the house wasn't done properly. Exactly. And I, I've actually dealt with that a few times, how builders would choose someone who's like 10000 less or 5000 less, even a couple grand less. But those guys that they choose, they would call me up, oh, there's a bunch of things that still need to be done because it wasn't done properly, and they call us in, but it's like, uh, we, we, we can't do that. Can't go back. We finished a house recently for a big client of ours, and they pay a little bit extra, but they, they told me, so I'd rather pay a few more extra dollars with you than pay for someone cheap because you get the quality. You know what you're doing. There's no issues. There's no uh, disasters. You're mostly, James, you're mostly dealing with the GC or the clients? Both. Both, eh? Yeah, builders and clients. Do you take, I get the sense that you take the time and effort to educate them a little bit on good and bad always like I, I always like to do a meet and greet i don't like doing it over the farm unless they're comfortable with that right because of covid but 
always like to do a meet and greet. That's so important because they need to see me. They need to see where we're coming from, see what we're made of, and we give them the whole breakdown of what's going to be happening. They also need to, if they're smart, they need to see if you actually know your stuff. Exactly. Right? Because, I mean, they should have the right questions. And any homeowners, because I've got a lot of homeowners listening, Mm -hmm. do your homework and start asking about our value. Start asking about building cavities. Start asking about joists, flat roof, hot roof. Start asking about these applications. Look at your drawings and see where there might be challenging points. Yeah, a lot of owners, they ask, oh, what if we use this? I'm like, well, it depends because, like, the code is this. And what did the drawings say as well? Because we have to go accordingly What's to the What's on drawings. the drawings. Exactly. And that's so important because a lot of people just throw away the drawings and just do what they want. But that's never the case because when the inspector comes in and they see a lower R value in the wall, he'll make you rip it out and put yep. the right one in. Yeah. And then you're out of you're out of the bank on that. The amount of times I've seen inspectors constantly refer back to the drawings and what's been red stamped on the drawings. Yeah. And they said that this is what's been issued. This is what you have to provide. Doesn't matter. This is what it is. So you can try to cheat yourself, but then they can call it. Yeah. And you're right. They have every right to ask you to take it out and change it. And at that which point, then there's going to be a back charge to the GC or client. Because you were asked to do this, and then this is what you provided, and then it's not what's on the drawings. Exactly. Unless you do have some of those contractors who come in, and they do put a lower R value or a different dr- kind of drywall on, and it's not according to code or to the drawings, and then you're, it's all your fault. You're going to have to fork that out. So I didn't realize that like, Toronto is such a cutthroat. Like they'll, they'll, they'll undercut you that bad yeah. just to get the job. Oh, I've seen it done. It's happened to me. Uh, no doubt it's happened to a few others as well, but all the time. But then you get the phone call to come back to fix. Oh, yeah. It's happened a few times as well. I've never gone back. I can't. I mean, if you said no to me, then that's, that's the extent it. of our communication. Exactly. I'm not here to educate you any further. I, I submitted a price. You thought it was high. You hired somebody that was cheaper. It doesn't give you the right to get back to me and start asking me a bunch of questions on questioning the person that you hired. And that's happened to me mm-hmm. several times. Really? Recently, like, I think it was at the beginning of this year. Yeah, there was a client who was reaching out, and then he told me that he hired somebody else. So I, and then he kept on emailing me, asking me more information, questioning wow. what that builder was doing. And I just had to stop him, and I just said, I'm sorry, but you didn't award the job to me, so exactly. technically I'm not going to be answering any more of your questions. No, you I'm can't. being nice about this. He felt offended by it. Really? And I'm like, I'm sorry. You can feel mm-hmm. whatever you want to feel, but you, I was providing knowledge and experience because I was looking to get the job. The moment yeah. you gave the job to somebody else, you don't have me as a resource anymore. No, it's not your responsibility. No, it's not. Wow. So how do we change this? I mean, I, I know that there was always a... There still is some fly-by-night guys in the spray foam industry that are using product that's not even right, creating yeah. a bigger problem. But I mean, we can't change it because you're getting, you're getting the companies that come in and they go, oh, no, no, we can do it for like $5,000 less. Yeah. And the client will jump on that because that's 5000 that can go into something finishing. Unfortunately, and then they get screwed over. So. Yeah. You guys yeah. ever insulate separations, basement apartments? Yeah. Uh, things like insulation that. Insulation and drywall for sure. When it comes to fire separation, obviously you get your Roxel insulation, resilient, single or double layer five eights. Well, that's always fun. Oh, yeah. For the boardman, it is. It's a pain in the ass, <laughs> man. Oh, it's yeah. not only that it's one layer, it's two layers. That's the worst. <sighs> that's the worst. 
And resilience. So. And resilient channel. And the rocks on the cavity. And then the fire stop on every protrusion. Mm-hmm. <sighs> a lot of people don't know, but like when it comes to rock cell insulation, because rock cell or, or rock wall, it's a fire. They use it to, for fire separation, but you can also use pink. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. But every, again, back to the way I was starting in the beginning, mm-hmm. clever marketing. It's exactly. just the way they've sold it, right? Is it a better product? I don't know. I, I could argue that it is or yeah. isn't. It depends, right? But they've used that clever marketing to sell their product over yours. So they started thinking that, okay, so if it's a basement apartment, you want to make it legal, this is the product you should be using. That's not the truth. There's no. always other products that you can use. Oh, there's lots. There's a whole different brands of insulation and drywall as well. Yeah, lots of different kinds. But I prefer for me, we prefer using pink all the time. Pink is like one of the best brands to work with. Why do you like it so much? Like it's just because it works really well for you. Yeah, it's just like working with it. It's not dusty. It's just easier to install and uh, throw around and work with, right? But uh, when you get to the other brands, it's just dusty. It just falls apart. It's just flying around everywhere. And then like with one brand, I'm not going to mention, but when you're working with it, it gets stuck all over you and it burns your skin. Because I know that with Owens Corning, their stuff, they've made it non-inchy. Like yeah. it's like you can handle it now oh, yeah. it's and not like be an issue. Used to be. No. Yeah. Back in the day, it was bad. Yeah. Right. But that was the old way of doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. What's the smell again of it? Like it smells like bubble, not bubble gum. <laughs> no, someone's. It I looks like cotton candy. No, it looks like cotton candy, but there's a scent to it. There's a scent to it that someone's described it. And I was like, I don't know what you're smelling, man. Like, I don't I don't smell that. I smell it. I just can't describe it. It's got a it's got a weird odd yeah. scent to it. It's just weird. Yeah. Even with the other brands, they all have their own scent. Yeah. The weird scent. But like working with <laughs> it when it's wet? No. No. Forget that. With 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 Owens, with pink. Pink or any insulation any t- when it's wet. It's a pain yeah. in the ass. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. You can't use it. Just throw it away and get a new bag. But Roxel hands down is still the best. Oh yeah, that's why it's so expensive. It's a premium brand insulation. It's hard to get right now. Oh my goodness. Is there back orders on it? months sometimes months well see that's the nice thing about this whole situation is that whoever's back order other competition yeah is stepping up now because they've got product but then you're letting tradespeople try product that they would never have tried Mm -hmm. unless you had a pandemic with my suppliers they're pretty good with getting their hands on roxel it's just like the unknown like the r28 or r31 roxel that's just like massively thick huge back order and none in stock I'm assuming that you also get into sound. Yeah, we do a lot of soundproofing. So you do a lot of soundproofing, right? Yeah, for apartments, basements, or buildings, yeah. So anything that's basically a bat that's got to go into a cavity, you guys are handling it. Yeah, exactly. Did you get a chance or have you gotten a chance to work with sound engineers that are asking you to build it a certain way, the wall assembly, or are you just stuffing the cavities with the rocks all, All the rock wood or whatever? Yeah. Insulation we're going to use or this uh, thickness and whatnot, the best kind of thickness, right? It's three inch and a half, three inches or six inches, but it really depends. Someone told me recently that pink also has sound properties. It does. There is a Owens Corner makes it. It's quiet zone. Yeah. What it's called. Not a lot of people know that. No. They just assume that it's just an insulation. It's not, but there's also a sound proper no. uh, product. Thermal, thermal is the same way. It does have a sound property, but when they take this thermal out, They make it just with that sound property inside it. So you have your inch and a half sound or three and a half or six inch sound bat. And that's what we use a lot. Six inch works the best. Fills up the entire thing. It's funny how I've always been in the beginning. I was a fan of spray foam. I understood it. It made sense to me. 
but the one kryptonite to it was sound. Yeah. It is the worst. It doesn't prevent any sound whatsoever. It actually amplifies sound sometimes. It does. And so then I started develop I started researching it was a mixture. It was a hybrid. You had to do foam and some some bat or or cellulose and put it all together. We've done that. That, that becomes a better wall assembly, right? Exactly. But then you get clients that are just dead set on foam, and you explain to them the sound issue. They disregard you, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and then then they we do the house, and then like I can hear outside. I can hear this. I can hear that. I can hear my neighbor walking, talking on the side. I go, you got foam. It was kind of explained to you that there were sound properties in bats and cellulose, and there was another way to assemble this, but you didn't want to do it. No. And here we are now. You can't change it. That's the thing about when it comes to insulation, you can't change it. You get one shot at it. Yeah, exactly. Especially and when it comes to spray foam. Yeah. That's it. So you might as well do it properly, spend the effort. And I get that it's not pretty. I get that it's all going to be covered. Yeah. But you get one shot at it, man. So it's important to do that. And and at that respect, bats are a lot better of an option. They are. Because like if you are doing any kind of renovation or anywhere in the house, you can do it yourself. You can replace it rather than getting a company out just to spray from a cavity. And then that's going to cost you. And I know that lots of guys have like been online and they'll see me doing foam or they'll see me do something like that. And they'll be like, yeah, so what's going to happen in 20 years when you got to rip that apart and then try to chase it and figure it out? And I'm like, at that point, if you are renovating the structure at that point and you're extending the home, you'd be cutting all that mechanical anyway. And then just cutting and then running new lines, running everything new to the new section of the house. So it doesn't really bother me. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but that's how I would handle it. Yeah, exactly. If that's the case, right? I know that's a lot easier that if you open up an older house and it's got bat, you just rip out the bat, you take out the wires and you start rerunning everything. But you do the exact same thing with foam. Yeah. Yeah. It's just more messier and more costly. Okay. So what do you want to try to wrap it up? Where do you see the industry going? I hopefully keep growing. You know, getting bigger clients, getting bigger subdivision jobs. That's what we're aiming for. We like to get into a bigger subdivision. We do, we've done buildings before and we like it. And we, we, just, we just like that kind of work. We like the, quali- the quantity of it. Do you want clients to be better educated? That would be helpful. Because do you feel clients are miseducated? A lot of them, unfortunately, don't know the codes or don't know what goes into a wall or what kind of drywall to use here and there. But... It would be nice if they were, if they did their research. It would help us a lot. That's an uphill battle, James. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, as much as I think it looks pretty, when you guys finish your job and the drywall goes on there, I have yet to meet a client that thinks it looks pretty. Yeah. They, they really don't think about it. It's just a stage in the cog. It's a cog in the machine that has to be done because it's part of the inspection process, and it's got nothing to do with where they want to get to, which is all the pretty stuff. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because, like I said, you get one shot at this. Yeah. And you know what I always say? Because foundation, heating, uh, framing, it's all important. But the insulation, drywall, and taping, that's like the finished product. Yeah. Without that, it's like you're not going to keep your house warm. You don't have the walls. You're not going to get anything sealed. So that's the most crucial part. It's true. And unfortunately, a lot of clients just cheap out on it. That's that's disturbing. For me, that's disturbing to hear that. Yeah. That you, you kind of want to just smack them because of that. It just doesn't make any sense, man. At least do a little bit more homework and understand the reasoning behind why this costs or why you want to hire a certain tradesperson like yourself so then they can do a better job and seal your house. It's going to benefit you later on when yeah. you're 
in the colder months, in the warmer months, it's going to benefit you. Yeah, exactly. Because you get guys who come in and they underbid a lot, and but then they're using cheap quality materials all the time. And then you're going to have issues years down the road. All right, James. Thanks so much, man. Oh, thank you. We got one last segment, but I want to let everybody know. So JM Insole, jminsole01 at gmail.com. And it's on Instagram at jm underscore insole. You got ready for this? 12 questions? Yeah, let's go. 12 questions. Here we go. What is your favorite construction word? On time. <laughs> <laughs> Least favorite construction word? Failed. Inspection? Oh, yeah. That's the word. I hate that. <laughs> what turns you on in construction? Hearing the sound of a tack hammer. Like in rhythm, eh? All the oh, guys. Yeah. Oh, this is work's getting done. Work's getting done. What turns you off in construction? Hearing any kind of turn saw, sawzall, anything working in the house while we're working. That makes no sense. Because when we're working in the house and I hear other people working, that means they're cutting out. You're cutting out the wall. That's there. what I mean. That, yeah. that you're the you're one of the few trades that you should be the only ones on site. Exactly, but you get those guys that come in. Oh, I forgot to do this. I have to add this, and it's delaying us. Because you guys are moving fast. If you're doing everything in one day, you're moving fast. There's no exactly. way that they're going to be able to reroute, change, do something. You're literally standing around with bats in your hands. That's exactly what we do. And you're not a baseball team. Yeah. Uh, favorite curse word? No, I don't. I don't curse. You honestly. don't curse. No, no. Good for you, man. I, I might be you one day. Never. <laughs> Favorite vehicle? Favorite vehicle. I like the Ram. I drive a 2500, so <laughs> why not? I love it. Who was it? Was it not yesterday? I'm trying to figure out last week. That's two Rams in a row. Two trades that I've interviewed that they're, they love their Ram. The Rams are nice, especially it, the new ones. But the Ram is not well loved by other guests on this show. But hey, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm sorry to to all their own. I mean, to each their own. Mm -hmm. It's there's three of them to choose from. Okay. Just all. They're Just don't, powerful. Don't go after a Nissan. That's no, all. No, no. <laughs> Least favorite vehicle. Oh yeah. Least favorite vehicle. Honda Civic. <laughs> <laughs> What's your what construction sound or noise do you love? The sound of blue tape. I do like blue tape. That's nice. When you hear that coming out, it's yeah, not, I do know, like that. Gang sealed. <laughs> uh, sound or noise do you hate? Uh, Bricklayer. Bricklayer. Bricklayer is tools. Just, I just hate, I hate hearing that. It's, it's just harsh. Super loud. <laughs> super loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess because, yeah, you, you might hear them outside while you Oh, yeah, because especially when you're on the wall and they're right out right there. there. Super loud. It's loud. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Oh. Paramedic. Paramedic? Yeah. Good for you, man. What profession would you not like to do? Foundation. Concrete? Concrete, yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> On a rainy day? Muddy? Oh, muddy. Yeah, I see them. I feel so bad Snow, for them. Snow, cold, no, wet? No, not for me. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> uh, well done. Well done. <laughs> Well done, James. Thanks so much, man, for being on the show. I really no, appreciate thank it, you, man. Manny. This was awesome. No, I, I learned a bunch on installation, and I'm glad that we talked about it. And everybody, please reach out to him, man. And you're always looking for more jobs, right? Always. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You're going to expand? I guess that's the next stage. Get oh, a second yeah. crew going on. We're always expanding, yeah. Very, very cool, man. JM Insole, jminsole01 at gmail.com and at Instagram, jm underscore insole. James, man, thanks so much, man. No, thank you, man. 
right, this wait. was so much fun. This was <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's been saying that lately. They get it to was. the end of the show and they're like, hey, this was lots of fun. I didn't it realize was. it was going to be fun, right? No, famous Manny right here. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, I hear every day in my truck. And I, like, oh, I'm, man. I'm a regular contractor, man. That's all, <laughs> all it is. But it's just like uh, I, more and more shows. I know that I got a big surprise coming for next month. Mm-hmm. I do want to thank everybody that's been listening and, and, and supporting the show and, and sending me feedback and sending me DMs. I really enjoy it. I like answering questions. I like all that stuff. It's just, I like where the show has gone and what it's doing and how it's leaving a mark. So oh, maybe job. I'll take it on the road and I'll go two and a half hours away or something like that. Go start oh, that'll be fine. interviewing all the guys and girls outside of the Toronto area. But I am not done with the Toronto area yet. So, no, lots to be done. Cool. All right. We're out of here, man. Thanks, James. Thank you. <laughs>